All right, so last week on our little uh, exploration of TV shows show <laughs> that we do, we watched a Canadian show. What was it Degrassi? Degrassi Junior High, High, Kids at Degrassi, all that. So since we oftentimes take whatever we did last week and spin it into something this week, since that was the Canada show and specifically uh, niche neighborhoods in Toronto, this week is the King of Kensington. Yeah, because that's why I said when I saw that uh, Kids of Degrassi, the neighborhood reminded me of King of Kensington for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you get real nerdy about uh, Toronto, there's definitely differences between Degrassi's over on the east side, and uh, I guess Kensington's not quite on the west. It's more western, but it's like in the middle. But yeah, what's neat about the Kensington Market, it was always one of my favorite parts of Toronto, is uh, apparently it's like uh, it's like the bylaws and stuff are old-timey, like it's been grandfathered in, where all of the buildings are way too close to each other, and uh, none of it would pass fire codes now. Like, if one of those buildings ever catches on fire, the whole fucking place is dead. <laughs> but because it's a historical place or whatever, they allow it to be like that. And it's pretty small. I mean, it's it's weirdly confusing. I used to get lost in Kensington, but I think it's only, it's really only between... Bathurst and College, which are two major streets, and as far as wide, like maybe three blocks. But yeah, it's a lot of uh, like old school kind of stores, you know, like uh, cheese, but you get the whole big cheese wheel type of thing or weird butcher shops. Yeah, you stuff. get the impression that it's uh, like pre-World War II type stores, like Depression right. stores that would have been, and I don't know if it's that, I, I imagine it's at least that old, maybe older. I think... Uh, now it's more common for there to be kind of uh, different ethnicities and stores and stuff all mixed together. But but this was like maybe when that wasn't as common. Kensington was where that would start type of thing. So, yeah, just a neat place. Although it's also kind of weird because there's also like a coffee shop there that I only went to once or twice because it's so expensive. So like it's not it's not cheap anymore, I guess. It used to be cheap. Now it's like you kind of go there to get the fancy pants. Stuff. Yeah, it was originally would have been just the neighborhood stores right but now it's yeah it's got that kind of classy if you're a tourist you got to go to kensington market and i guess though it does kind of have that feeling too of like the good parts of manhattan the idea of the uh the weird neighborhoods and the different stuff that you see that is only in new york or whatever toronto does not have that feeling like in some ways people say toronto is our new york but really i think it more toronto's our chicago it's just midwestern it's just a just a place it's really not, Toronto's not a very interesting city, <laughs> you know, where New York, for its faults, is a very interesting city. However, Kensington Market is maybe the one part of Toronto that sort of feels like that, like when I'd go to Little Italy or these little places in uh, in New York. I mean, there's stuff, I guess, like East Eglinton is where there's like a lot of uh, Jamaican-type places, and uh, then on like the Danforth is like uh, Greek town. I mean, there are places in Toronto, but... Generally, I think it's safe to say Toronto is a very bland city. Kensington is by far one of the most interesting parts. So anyway, King of Kensington is this show that aired on CBC from 1975 to 1980. Five seasons, 111 episodes. Al Waxman starred as Larry King. It's just kind of funny that that's his name since there was, I assume, later. When did Larry King the broadcaster start? Maybe he was <laughs> working back then. I don't know. But anyway, a much more famous Larry King. <laughs> So it's just strange that that's his name, but he's a convenience store owner in Toronto's Kensington Market. 
However, as much as we're talking about how neat the actual neighborhood is, I presume Kensington itself is going to play very little part in this show besides the opening and closing credits, right? It's just going to be a sitcom. (laughs) Probably, yeah. But yeah, I've heard of this show mostly because, I mean, I heard of Kensington Market first because I moved to Toronto in 2010 and found it and was like, oh, this place is cool, and then found out there's this show where I assume you knew of the show far before Kensington Market. Yeah, long before I knew about Kensington Market, yes. And uh, the strange thing is, it was why I was saying maybe I should have looked up the history of actual Kensington Market, because this was quite a popular show, especially for a Canadian production, but there's really not a lot of info about it. It's like really by the books of just like some TV producers and some writers came up with a concept, they made a pilot, they changed the actors from the pilot, and then they made the show. (laughs) And that's it. Like there's no, there were no interesting or unique details about this show. They just decided, let's make a show. Hey, that worked out. All right, job well done. So. <laughs> so well, let's watch it. Yeah. See well, what we... well, I was going to say, though, because there's so little about the show, the weird thing is I did think of a couple of Kensington Market stories. I have some surprisingly, oddly lowbrow stories about Kensington Market <laughs> that also at the same time show what a nerd I am. So uh, I got two of them. I Actually, I mean, I could tell you a bunch of things that happened to me in Kensington, but I got two that came to mind. So I'll tell you one now and one at the end and <laughs> just split them up. So the first one, so you remember when you and dad came to visit Toronto and you stayed at that uh, little sort of like a hotel or a boarding room mm-hmm, type of place mm-hmm. that was actually just down the street from Kensington Market, very close by. And then I remember that we with Brad, we went to a restaurant at the top of Kensington on college. So I don't specifically remember us going to Kensington, but I'm sure we did. <laughs> we must have at least walked through it. But that place you guys stayed, it was this little place on the corner of Dundas and uh, Bathurst, is the same place me and my friend Chris stayed when we first got to Toronto, just by happenstance. We all ever that's like the that's the gateway to Toronto apparently, if you want to find a cheap place to stay. But the thing with that place was, you know, those rooms were really small, and that was why I went to Toronto is because Chris was going for an art course, and he's like, hey, I got this room with a spare bed. You could just come to Toronto for a couple of weeks for free. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And then I ended up liking it, and I stayed there for five years. But for those two weeks, that those rooms were so small. There's just no room, you know? It is just like a room with two beds in it. And Chris was the one paying for it. So I really felt like I should get out of his hair as much as possible because there's just no space in there. And at the same time, because it's just this one room with these two dudes in it, there was never any time for like privacy and stuff. I I don't think I ever went that long in my life without jerking off (laughs) because I just couldn't, you know? There's like either I'm in this room with Chris or I'm walking the streets of Toronto. So that was the setting of like I was just new to Toronto, trying to find reasons to stay outside because I wanted to just give Chris a little time off from my presence. And again, just making decisions I wouldn't have normally made because I was so pent up. (laughs) I was just like, man, this has been a weird couple of weeks. So I was on Young Street, and I walked by this place, the, uh, what's it called? The Brass Rail, I think, which our friend Lars told us about before. He's like, oh, it's a strip club in Toronto. It's amazing, you know, because we don't even have strip clubs in this part of Canada. So they're like, oh, man, it's like you can never even imagine. So I remember I walked by it, and it was all those things combined of, like, I wanted reasons to not go home yet. Uh, Lars told me about this magical place, and... I'm sure I would never have gone in because all the other five years I lived in Toronto, I never went to a strip club again. I'm just not a strip club guy. But because I was all like, oh, man, this would be so cool. 
and just I don't know just like I was like fuck it you know I don't know I'm just I'm just gonna go see what the weird strip club is like and inside it was like it was it was super high quality strip club but I think we were talking about this recently I don't know why it came up uh, about bathroom attendants because I have a really small bladder and they really push you to keep buying beer the whole time you're at a strip club or buy drinks so I'm paying out the ass for these beers and I have to keep peeing and every time I pee I gotta have the awkward conversation with the guy who's manning the bathroom and then tip him every time got old real fast so I didn't stay that long however it was pretty great and while I was there this just came back to me I forgot all about this one of the strippers told me about Kensington Market that was actually the first time I heard of Kensington because I was all awkward and weird and I'm like I don't know what to say so I was just like hey I'm new to Toronto she's like I am pretty new too and she was she told me like there's this place Kensington if you want to go buy vegetables and stuff that's the place and it's like cool thank you naked lady (laughs) so that's my first weird kensington story of like i'd forgotten all about that because i didn't actually stumble upon kensington for probably another three or four weeks after that and i was like oh that's that place that nice naked lady told me about but yeah technically that's the first time i ever heard of king of not king of kensington of kensington market (laughs) well there there's a little there's a little history. Yep, a little, and uh, so I mean, yeah, and uh, I mean, it achieved all of my goals. You know, I, I got to see the mythical place Lars told me about. I got to give, fuck, I was probably only in there for half an hour, but you know, another half hour, Chris doesn't have to deal with me, and I learned about Kensington Market. <laughs> what else could you want out of your strip club experience? But yeah, what a weird job, right, of just a bathroom attendant in a strip club. I don't know. I mean,. <laughs> I wonder what it pays. I mean, I, I think just because I found the whole thing awkward anyway, I, I think like I, I didn't even, I guess I didn't even know it was going to be that. So I'm pretty sure I tipped the guy like five bucks because it's just what I had on me. And so, yeah, I know. I probably should have well. given him a tune or something. But again, it's like, I, I kind of, again, as a non-strip club guy, I figure like if you're going to be there, you should at least not be a cheapskate, right? <laughs> but this is the guy in the bathroom. It's not like I'm... You know, <laughs> yeah, it's not like the barkeep. Yeah, or or, or the one waiter. of these people that has to get naked for their job. This guy just stands in a bathroom all day. I guess actually, this is really getting off topic, but I guess I have had that happen before at the Opera House. That's like down on East Queen Street. I went to see a, a band there, and they also had a bathroom attendant. And I just hate that stuff so much. It's like, <laughs> get out of here! Like I'm going to be back here in 20 minutes. I got to pee all the time. I don't need you to hand me a towelette, dude. I can, I can handle it. But hey, I don't know. I guess I live a life of privilege. I can wipe my hands on my pants. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I live a life of privilege. I don't have to stand in the bathroom all day. Shouldn't I shouldn't look down on those who do. So here's King of Kensington, Season 1, Episode 1, Variety Store. It's kind of weird how uh, that was one of the things that was so neat about watching those old Degrassi's is seeing old Toronto. It is really weird seeing all these shots of Kensington. And uh, I mean, obviously there are a couple 
particularly new buildings in Kensington that stand out. But overall, it's like, man, it still kind of looks like that. Like, it's interesting that it's uh, not that different looking besides the people. So yeah, what I find weird about that show is we've watched many older sitcoms than that. You know, the mid seventies is downright modern compared to some of the stuff we've been watching, but that's the oldest feeling show I think we've ever watched of like, like just uh, old style comedy of- <laughs> Well, for you, uh, but I, I didn't, I found it was okay. And, and uh, I'm surprised at the amount, the amazing number of political references that were in it, political references of the day talking about John Turner, the Minister of Finance, and um, and various other things. And they're talking about the inflation of the 1970s, and they're talking about the number of people out of work, immigration, you know, all, all these things that were very big issues in the 1970s, and they tie them all into that show, as opposed to it just being, uh, we're running a convenience store, and here are the people in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah, there's a couple of details, actually, that were on, like, the little wiki article that I didn't write down initially, but now they came back to me because they seem way more relevant now that I've seen the show, is uh, one of them was that they had a quick turnaround. Some of those shows, they only recorded a week or two before they aired, so they could put in super topical references and still be topical. It's not like, you know, the show wasn't going to yeah. come out six weeks see, or six months later. Those would mean things to me. I mean, I picked up on most of them, I won't say all of them, but I picked up on most of those references where, of course, you wouldn't. You weren't even born. Right. Well, more what I took it as is the other thing that uh, they mentioned that I didn't think to mention at the start is that this was kind of in the wave of uh, all in the family. And it's like, oh, yeah, he is extremely similar it just in the way he talks and behaves as Archie Bunker, even though he's like the... Uh, He's like the... But he's the, like the king of Kensington, the good guy of Kensington, yeah. who's going to help people out and be very um, uh, amenable to everybody in the neighborhood, whereas Archie Bunker is a, kind of a cantankerous. Right. So that's where, yeah, like I took, even though I didn't know the specific details of the stuff they were talking about, I just took it more as this is the kind of comedy they're going for is kind of... Uh, that Archie Bunker style. Uh, well, it's like poor, poor people complaining about the government, basically. Except, <laughs> except Archie Bunker is more. He's like the. Uh, he, well, I mean, I guess it's like I don't know how to describe it. Archie Bunker's a weird bigot, and this guy's a nice dude. He's the nice <laughs> version of Archie Bunker, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's like that's putting it extremely. I just can't think of a fancy way to put it. But there were definitely a lot of references to Canada in the 1970s, and not just referring generally to. Um, like immigration, unemployment, that kind of stuff. But specific names, they they were name dropping all over the place right. in this thing. Um, I guess interesting. I've, and I mean, I've always just kind of found that style of not just comedy, but that, that type of person a little bit tiresome because there's you know, people like that today too, that it's like, it's like uh, the illusion of being informed. It's like, just because you know what all the specific things are happening right now, and you know the specific name of the minister of finance or whatever, it's like, I know what's going on. I'm aware of the world. But to me, I'm just like, whatever. It's the same, same problems, different day. You know, like, I, I feel like you can be a lot more broad about these topics. Except in the day that they're referring to, and when they make those specific references, they're, they're, they're taking specific digs at certain people that were in government at the time and that's okay but you've got to be 
aware enough of what was going on at that time to pick up on that. Otherwise, yeah, I can see why you would feel the way that you did. They, those names don't really mean anything to you. Right. Well, I mean, and my, also, too, I mean, my, my disposition is much more of like a cruel taskmaster of just like like the very first joke out of the out of the gates is like hey you know this this current government gets a lot of support from uh from people that uh aren't making a lot of money so uh in order to keep getting that support they make sure we keep not making a lot of money and it's like it's just it's like that self-defeating self-fulfilling prophecy of these people that will just always be poor because they have the mindset of a poor person and i know this makes me sound terrible but i get so tired of that it's like you're if you think of yourself as just a fucking poor idiot you're always going to be a poor idiot <laughs> i don't know today i'm just i'm cranky and tired today so i can't well, think I of nice was, ways I to say these it things was good. well what i mean though about it feeling old is it's like all of the like when the simpsons is making fun of a lame sitcom you know, it's like, hey, I'm Jack Handel, and I'm starring in the new show Handel with Care. You know, that's why I was saying, like, I didn't get that he's named Jack King or Larry King because of King of Kensington. Like, that's that's like Catskill shit. That's so old. And the, here comes the boss. He's coming to dinner. Uh-oh, better not mess up the meal. Literally, Bart Simpson does that joke in The Simpsons of like, oh, no, now I've got to make the, the dinner. You know, like like, that's what I mean by, like, like compared to those are so hackneyed those premises that the shows from the 50s and the 60s feel fresher to me because they didn't do that shit (laughs) so that's what i just found weird about that show is like like talk about a show that is like not timeless the opposite of timeless (laughs) oh yeah it's it's very set in its time i mean especially with those specific references to certain people right um you've got to know who those people are to get it um, and I remember I, I commented at the beginning in the store, you couldn't do what how, set up that store the way they did today. They've got product all over the place. They've got everything, Lifesavers, Red Path Sugar, uh, specific brand names. Good God, they'd pay a fortune try just for the rights to have those products in their store. Yeah, it was a lot looser back then. They could just, although I did think it was kind of funny because, um, like I was saying, it really was just... Uh, Kensington itself you only see in the opening and closing credits so in the the show they're just in their set of the the store but when they open the door to see Kensington it's clearly just a backdrop like a flat backdrop of Kensington Market (laughs) which is just funny but yeah as far as that uh, product placement stuff that always makes me think of when I worked at a movie theater and uh, that's when I became extra aware of that stuff because we had coke was you know coke uh sponsored the movie theater so everything we had was coke so that's when i learned that like dasani water is owned by coke so then when i would watch a movie i remember there was this jodie foster revenge movie where in one scene they're drinking dasani waters and in the next scene she's in a convenience store and in the background is all coke stuff and it's like two coke products back to back and i was like dude coke sponsored that whole movie yeah like you don't know it unless you know it but once you do you can't miss it type of thing but i'm sure in king's king of kensington those product well they some of them may have been the advertisers for the show but i suspect that most of them weren't they just uh, gathered up a bunch of gear and put it in the store set yeah. up the set up the set probably sent somebody down to well i don't know he made reference to canadian tire that's where they bought all the 
Oh, yeah, Indian that's, gear. That's another thing that is kind of interesting. I just saw the other day, because of the show we're going to watch next week, I already pre-planned it, another Canadian show that was on a list of uh, shows people don't realize are Canadian, which some of them in this top 10 list I found online of uh, Screen Rant had top 10 shows you might not know were Canadian. And one of them was uh, SCTV and the screenshot was The Great White North. I was like, how the fuck did you not know that was Canadian? <laughs> But but uh, you would never put King of Kensington on that list because, man, there's a lot of Canada references. That was actually my favorite joke of the whole thing is that he sponsored this Indian guy to move to Canada. And the guy's this is not quite working out as he wanted to. He's not able to open the business that he wants. And he's like, you know what, though? All right, I'll take this this middling opportunity until I can get my sponsorship to America. <laughs> that was actually my favorite joke in the whole thing. But yeah, a lot of references to Canada in this show. Even so much so that when they were sitting in the in the little restaurant where they're going to play cards or poker or whatever they're going to play, uh, the black fellow is sitting there and he's got his right beside him, big backpack bag or something with Canada <laughs> right. on the side. Oh, that's another another example though of yeah, like just that the jokes were so weirdly corny that they were going over my head. Was the uh, when they invite the bank guy over to try the Indian food so that the Indian guy can get money to open a restaurant and there's like a tiger skin. And yeah, and then he mentions that it's like, yeah, I went to Canadian Tire and I bought all this India stuff. But that's such a weird, that's such an old timey stereotype joke about India that I thought that was just how the King of Kensington's house looked for some reason. I didn't even get that that oh, was... See, I got that right off because originally I was looking at their staircase thinking how nice... The staircase in this house because it's a very modest house but it's a lovely staircase it had a curve in it and i was thinking oh my goodness what a lovely staircase and then the next thing i see is this great big tiger rug hanging off it with a big head sticking out and on the wall were two swords crossed and in the back looked like a little um a little incense burner uh, those things were really big deals. Like in the 1970s, people had uh, their hookahs and their, you know, little incense burners and things that were very Indian uh, influenced. And a lot of that came after, um, we'll go back in time again here, um, after the Beatles uh, went to, especially George Harrison, they went to India and came back with all their Nehru suits and the sitar and all that business. That was a, a cultural thing that kind of caught on here in Canada. And lots of people had those little uh, decor in their house. Uh, but nothing as big as a great big tiger rug hanging off the <laughs> hanging off your banister. So, yeah, I, I picked up on that right away. Oh, yeah, they're inviting the British guy over and they're doing the Indian cooking. So let's decorate the place. Yeah, yeah, again, went right over my head. Although another joke I liked, but in the opposite way, because it's so not clever, is that's what I like. I either like the joke to be real clever or not clever. I'm not a fan of the middle ground, which maybe is why this show didn't quite hit me that, that well. But uh, when the fancy pants British bank loan guy comes over and, you know, we got to impress the boss type of thing, he's like, well, uh, I don't normally come over to test, you know, food for restaurants, blah, blah, blah. And I am quite fussy. <laughs> and just that he said that out loud, like, that's insane. How did they not write that out of the script? That's, <laughs> he just said it. Yeah, because he was quite obvious the way, <laughs> the way he walked in with his bowler hat on and his the suit and the glasses and the, the, the stiff upper lip and the straight ramrod. <laughs> stance yeah it's, it's pretty clear that I, I did somehow i did pick up on the fact that he's fussy but uh yeah and i guess i mean this whole episode probably just making me sound like a terrible person but i was thinking like 
like I think why I don't probably if we ever watch All in the Family it might not work for me so well either is uh like if you're gonna be a weird poor schlub I want you to be Al Bundy I want you to know that your place is at the bottom of the pecking order I want you to be depressed about it and I want you to hate your life <laughs> I love Al Bundy I don't like a guy who is Al Bundy but is the king of Kensington. Everybody loves me. Everything's great. Everything's not great. Your life sucks. You don't know how to run a business. Everything's going down. Yeah, but he's a good guy in the sense that he's he, his business is not the most successful, but he's not whining and crying about it. Instead, he's out helping people in his neighborhood. Yeah, like he obviously never gave a whole lot of thought to the fact that he's sponsored this Indian family who, uh, of 10 people, an 11th one on the way, uh, he never gave any thought to the fact that maybe they wouldn't be able to get themselves set up. But you know what What that makes him? An unrealistic character. Well, Why? Why is he like this? Why did he sponsor an Indian family to come to Canada? I just, I don't buy this guy at all. He just feels like a weird liberal fabrication of how a human should be. <laughs> I just, I don't know. He could use a little more Machiavellian cruelty in his life and maybe he'd uh, be a little better off. So anyway, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my cruel take on the King of Kensington. What a schlub. Okay, well... I'll say no more. I and, thought it was okay. Yeah, so I don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't really get the politics it's trying to put forward because they don't seem realistic, and the jokes are bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I just don't quite get what this show is. I don't. But a lot of it is like, okay, stand-up comics usually uh, will are are very much in the day, the day of that they're giving the thing. The, the, those are the politicians they make commentary on. King of Kensington is that too. It's very, very much mid 1970s talking about government. Well, I will use John Turner as an example. He's obviously the finance minister at that time, and they said, "Well, you know, he's not doing a real good job of that because he's got his eyes on the on the prime ministership." Well, guess what? A few years later, he did become prime minister for a very short little time, but uh, they've they've made a comment of he he must have been at that at that point in time maybe planning or getting ready to become head of the, I think it was the Conservative Party that he was the head of, and then uh, became the Prime Minister. Um, but you see, they're, they're making comment that at the time, in 1975, that would have meant a whole lot to people viewing it, whereas now it wouldn't. And as I say, you weren't even born, so of course you wouldn't have that your finger on the pulse. Yeah, of that. but the phenomenon has not changed even remotely. It's exactly the same thing. Where I always feel like people that engage in these kind of mid-level politics talk, it's like it's like running on a treadmill. It's so they can feel like they're informed or feel like they're talking about something important, but they're they're not. <laughs> like I always think of this joke uh, Bill Hicks used to tell. Where he's like, I prefer the puppet on the right. Well, I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Wait a second, there's one person holding both puppets. Like, to even engage in these debates is missing the point to me. It's like, they're both sides of the fucking same. It does not matter. You know, if you, if you dedicate your life to one side or the other, you're just playing into the, the system, man. <laughs> That's how I see it. Now, what the solution is to that, I don't know. But it's not to have boring mid-level political talks for your whole goddamn life. I hate people like that. It just drives me nuts. It's like, at least, if you're going to just be ignorant, be ignorant. Don't be ignorant and pretend that you're smart. That just kills me. <laughs> so, so, yeah, anyway. 
again, yeah, it's like I, I don't, I don't know any of the actual details of any of the stuff that was happening, obviously, in 1975. But but I feel like that style of political discourse is exactly the same. Well, nowadays. and it makes it makes the show very limited as to um, does it stand up over the generations? Um, no, no, because it has too much of the day politics um, and issues talked about. Although that issue of immigration um, is still, after all these years, is the same. People sponsoring immigrants coming in, having to uh, make sure that they get established, and that is is very much still a hot topic of today after all these years. But the actual little specific political references make King and Kensington a very, it's in like a time warp. It's just in that little time frame and that's it. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't carry over as a, as a really successful show unless you know all those references. Yeah, whereas like again, stuff like, uh, I always go back to Jack Benny because I thought it was so good, but Jack Benny feels a lot more you know, it, it has transcended time a lot better because he's not yeah. like. And he doesn't talk. What's, what's FDR up to these days? You know, he didn't do any of that shit. Yeah, uh, the things like Jack Benny are much more. Um, they've got a much more big picture of issues and things rather than than making a whole lot of little small specific references. And especially since all those ones in, in King of Kensington. They're all Canadian references, Oops. so it would never have made it like in the states or anything because that that would mean nothing to them either. I guess that's one thing then about King of Kensington that I question is like, is why is it a comedy? Because that shit is sure not funny. Mm -hmm. So if you just want to comment on the the political state of the day, why isn't it a drama? Why don't you actually make a show about people immigrating to Kensington and the like? Because those jokes were all so tepid. It's like, it's just because they're doing the rhythm. Ha da da da, ba 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 ba, But it's not funny. Well, now it's a CBC production too. You gotta, they can't go real crazy. <laughs> they're being paid for by the government. Yeah, that's true too. I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. Just uh, not my favorite show. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, I guess maybe, I mean, we haven't watched All in the Family yet, but maybe I would enjoy that better because I also find if you're going to take a political tack, it's, uh, it's more, it's like kind of more brave or more interesting to side with the guy who's more of a bigot, the guy who does have these weird kind of more right-leaning ideas and is like a harder to get along with person. At least that's, you know, even if you don't agree with that guy and that guy's a bit of a jerk, at least it's more of an interesting take. It's more of an interesting character study. Where I always find, again, just taking the, the basic tenets of the left versus the right, the left is like the easiest for any take of anything. It's like, yes, of course we should act this way. Of course we shouldn't think this way. Of course this, of course that. Of course everyone should. Like, it's always the easy thing. That is like, of course we should all be like that. And then when reality comes stomping in, it's like, but no one is like that. <laughs> and, you know? and you know what? You've hit the nail right on the head with, uh, with um, All in the Family. And the misunderstanding that came out of it, like, oh, we can't show that on TV. You know, I'll never watch that show. Archie, Bu Archie Bunker is such a bigot. But what they were missing is, yes, the character of Archie Bunker is a bigot, but he's representative of all kinds of bigotry that exists in the world. 
And instead, when that show came out, it was, oh, blacklisted and blackballed and everything else because, oh, my God, I can't watch a man like that. Well, why not? That That is the world. That's life. Um, and uh, it, it got a real bad rap from with a lot of people, religious people, people who just didn't think about anything. Uh, they, they didn't see it for what it was. It was getting across the message that this is life. There are people like that out here. And there are people like Mike, the son-in-law, who will argue with the other side with Archie. But people just said, like, I can remember when that show came out, and I said, what a great show it was. And, oh, I can't stand Archie Bunker. You're missing the point. Watch the show. It's, it's the messages of this is life. And here's the counterbalance of it. And that's all that show is doing. It's not trying to make you pick one person like uh, Carol O'Connor and say, what a horrible person that is. Right. Yeah, or it's like, of course, it's not people like him that made the show. You have to go that one little step further and think about the people making the show who yeah. obviously don't and, share and, his politics. Yeah. And what are they and what are they trying to show you? They are trying to show you all that bigotry and hate that's in the world. Whereas, yeah, that's what's really funny now when you mention that about King of Kensington, the way I was saying that Toronto is a very bland version of like a big city and i compared it to chicago but it's probably bland compared to chicago too you know it's canada just is a general thing we're the bland version of america and king of kensington is the bland version of the american sitcom he's joe nice guy (laughs) like really it was so like the the mom in king of kensington is a little bit prejudiced or whatever, very, very minorly, but literally no one else is. Everyone else is just like, this is the greatest. Oh, wow, everyone's awesome. I mean, again, I don't know. It's like, obviously, again, it's like, that's how, yeah, it's great if, if everyone is like that. Or I guess maybe another way to put it, I always heard this somewhere that I thought was interesting, is in fiction, the bad guy's interesting and the good guy's boring. But in real life, the good guy's interesting and the bad guy's boring. You just want these like annoying people to just get out of your life. You want everyone to be nice. But in fiction, the bad guy <laughs> is more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> There's no bad guy in King of Kensington. Everyone is the, the greatest. Yeah, anyway, again, I guess I should just say too, I mean, yeah, I really am a little sleepy today. So it's just, I'm getting a little extra. <laughs> but Because again, it's not like I even disliked it. I just was like, meh, meh. <laughs> I mean, it's like just a real bland show. And yeah, and I was just really thrown off because I thought, like, I didn't expect it to be less sophisticated than the earlier sitcoms, but it, it felt that way to me of just like these really corny jokes and these really broad things. And and uh, so, so much so that, again, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't even get that was happening. Uh, so anything else? Or should I give you my second Kensington story? Oh, give us a second Kensington story now. Yeah, this whole this whole episode is really, I feel like I'm, uh, it's making, I'm making myself out to be a... Uh, a terrible, uh, bigot-loving strip club going, because this this story is also pretty seedy. So I was hanging out with one of my friends, and it was real late, and we had been drinking all day, and it was so it was like after hours, whenever the bars close in Toronto, I don't know, two a.m. or something. And this was like amazing to me, because this is like all this stuff, like the world that cool people live in that I don't live in. Like this guy, this friend of mine, he's so cool and so much more. Uh, I don't know, affable. It just like flows easily through the world in these ways that I don't. There's just stuff that happened this night that I would never have experienced in a million years where he's like, hey, don't worry. Oh, and his uh, fiance was with us too. That's important. He's like, I'll take you to the secret bar. 
I was like, what? So again, it's like at this point, like 2.33 in the morning. We go to Kensington Market. It's the middle of the night. No one's around. We just go to this random alleyway. And he's like, just stand here. So we're just standing in this alleyway and there's nothing happening and there's no sound and there's no noise. And then after a minute, a door opens. And it turns out they have a camera and you have to stand there and then they decide if you get to come into the secret bar or not because they don't want the police to know this place is here. Oh, sounds like a speakeasy from the 1930s. Basically, yeah. And that's why I think it was important that his fiance was with us because if it was just two dudes, I don't know that we would have made it in because they had a very limited capacity. But she was with us. <laughs> so it's like, okay, two dudes and a girl, good enough. We'll let them in. And uh, she didn't stay that long. She stayed a little bit and she went home. But basically, then we go into this place, we go downstairs, there's no music playing, which is weird for a bar, but I guess, again, they just don't want the sound from outside to, you know, be able to be heard or whatever. And, you know, bars are always dark anyway. This place was double dark, so dark. <laughs> so I can't, I don't even really know what it looked like. Just this weird underground bar. Everything was crazy expensive. You know, the beer was super pricey because you're already drunk and it's three in the morning and like, if you want to keep drinking, you're going to pay for it. So, uh... After she went home and it was just me and my friend, that's again where there's just this whole sphere of life that I never realized, but it makes so much sense when you know how it works. Where my idea of like, because I just, I'm not a going to bars guy, so I just thought it's like, I don't know, I guess you go to a bar and you try to chat up a girl and you make her interested in your sparkling personality, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, if I meet somebody at a library or a comic shop, I'm all set. I'm not... I'm not uh, so I just assumed that's how bars were. But that's when I learned what... I mean, hey, maybe that's how some people approach bars. But this is the real way to approach bars in a nice, easy way. Is as soon as this dude, whose name I will not mention so as to not incriminate anyone, as soon as his fiance went home, he found somebody to sell him cocaine. And now that he had coke, it's just find the two girls that are there by themselves and go, hey, want to go to the bathroom, do some coke? So he took them to the bathroom to do coke. And then we all just hung out and we're best friends all night because cause he bought cocaine. I'm like, ah, of course, you don't have to chat people up and figure out how to be all sparkling and, and fucking, oh, my personality. Just go find some cocaine and find dope. some girls who want to do cocaine. And then because he was, a, you know, about to be married and he didn't want to mess with that he was just showing me the ropes he was just showing me the cool underground club and how it all worked so it didn't go anywhere we talked to those chicks for 20 minutes and then we all we left also we just took off but it was like a catch and release fishing you know he just showed me how it worked and then we just went home but <laughs> but i was like oh wow like yeah i guess if you were toronto bar party guy this is what you would do you so would just... kensington market is not as bland then as you Oh, Kensington Market isn't bland. That show is. <laughs> that show had nothing to do with fucking Kensington Market. <laughs> Kensington Market's amazing. Like, that's one thing I thought was interesting with that show is uh, that the idea that it was a poor neighborhood because I, many times, walking through it in Toronto, was like, God, I wish I could live in Kensington. It'd be so cool. But there's so limited numbers of apartments there, and it had been gentrified to the point in the 2000s by that I moved there in 2010. I could never afford to live in Kensington. You know, so it's funny that it's, like, poor. Yeah, no, I'll never say a bad word about Kensington. Kensington's great. It's nothing like that show. <laughs> it's got the good touristy stuff on the upper level, and it's got the seedy underground below. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, that's, I mean, geez, yeah, I didn't even think about that when we were talking about the show. But, yeah, it's like what I'm, again, maybe Kensington had a different vibe in the 70s, I guess. But 
that should have just been called I don't know what's a boring neighborhood in Toronto. Beats me, but <laughs> just <laughs> Well, you see that when that show was built, it wasn't the big tourist central that it is now. And it probably wasn't the real high life place to live in Toronto in 1975. It probably was just a neighborhood. Right. Oh yeah, and that's I guess yeah, my little final detail too when I looked up just real quick while we were watching that. Somehow the uh, King of Kensington page didn't mention that Al Waxman, the guy who plays Larry King, he uh, grew up in that neighborhood. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's just neat that they hired a guy who literally did grow up there. But that's all. That's my final <laughs> King of Kensington <laughs> trivia. Oh, well, okay. We gave it a fair shot. I liked it. You didn't. Yep. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> Case closed.